Amen, church. Uh, you can be seated. Uh, good morning. My name is Logan Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. Uh, Jeff Eaton, our lead pastor, he is at Lake Cumberland um, preaching in a ministry he began, I think, 20 years ago uh, this year. It actually marks 20 years of him being there preaching on the lake every Labor Day weekend. And so uh, we're going to pray for him here shortly and for uh, what God is going to do there. Um, but my name is Logan. I'm glad to be here, glad to preach. I'm excited. Uh, so um, for weeks, we've been setting up a new series. We're going to be going through the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And as a matter of fact, could you put the Experiencing God book up there, Kim, if you could do that? We've been... Um, you know, encouraging you guys to go through this book, to purchase this book, to go ahead and get that. Uh, we're going to be unpacking the seven realities of experiencing God that Henry Blackaby walks us through. Uh, but we're calling this series Reset. All right. Uh, we're calling it Reset. And the reason why we thought of calling it that is because that, that's what we hope to see happen in you. All right, that as you experience God and as we walk through these, these seven realities of experiencing God, that there will just be a reset in your heart, a reset for your passion for Jesus, a reset in your faithfulness to Jesus, a reset in your desire to join him in his work throughout this world. That is what we want to see happen. And so uh, we're really gonna start that next week. Today's gonna be kind of a lead in and a setup to this series. Um, and so I hope that you are excited for that. So today we're going to read uh, from Acts chapter 19 verses 11 through 17. This is where our passage is going to come from. It's a little bit lengthy, uh, but I want you to stay with me. Follow along as we read this together. So it says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then came some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Weird passage, all right? It's a weird moment, it's a weird thing that happens, but there are some very incredible truths packed in here that I can't wait to go through with you all. So back to that passage in Acts chapter 19, I wanna unpack just kind of what's going on here. We're gonna give you some background uh, leading up to this passage. So uh, before we get here, so this is taking place in Ephesus. Paul has been here for about two years now. He has been, uh, it says that he's, for about two years, he's daily been going to basically a, a pagan school essentially and he's been debating with and talking with and uh, not arguing but but debating with the people there just to share the gospel and so just to let them know of, of what Christ has done who he is and all the while it says that God is doing some really incredible things through Paul Right, so verse 11 says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And I love that word extraordinary because it literally means like these aren't the usual miracles. As if like 
a miracle is normal in the first place. It's like, no, these are like miracle miracles, right? Like, like it's not your run-of-the-mill things. Like, like, people are touching his handkerchiefs and his aprons, and they're being healed, right? Like they're, like, they're not the ordinary miracles. These are some really different types of things that are happening. And it says that God was doing them through Paul, which is incredibly important. Okay, and so basically what happens after that is there are these seven brothers that are the sons of a, of a man who is not, he's not the high priest, he's part, probably part of like the high priestly family or he like works with the high priest, uh, but this man's name is Sceva and these seven sons of Sceva, they, they're called itinerant exorcists. Which basically means they're, they're, they're traveling exorcists, which was apparently a thing. You know, they're like, all right, I'm going to walk around and if I see demon stuff, I'm getting, getting rid of it and get paid, right? Like that, that's their job. So high school kids, college kids, if you're still wondering about your future career choices, <laughs> go to your advisor, talk to them, see if there's a track for this. Probably won't have to take math class if that sways you one way or the other, if you want to go this way. So they see these traveling exorcists. They see all that God is doing through Paul right? And they're like, hmm, okay. It, if this is working for him, maybe this will work for us, right? Like if, if this is happening for Paul, maybe, maybe this will happen to us. So in verse 13, it says that they undertook to invoke the name of Jesus. They saw what was happening through Paul and they're like, maybe I'll try that. So I'm going to use this same name that, that Paul uses. And so they say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now we're gonna come back to that because that, that part's incredibly important. So they use Jesus' name and they're expecting, all right, again, this happened for Paul. This is gonna happen for us, right? But I mean, like, like, it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> I mean, think about like Paul's handkerchiefs are healing people or what my Paul used to call snot rags, right? Yeah, Paul is like, give him a big handkerchief for Christmas. He's like, mm, snot rags, right? And, and it, so Paul's snot rags are healing people. Think of that, it's kind of gross, all right? But there's like, you think this should work, but it doesn't work. It does not work. Um, it, nothing happens the way they expect. So look at verses 15 through 16. The evil spirit answered them, look, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? Which I love. <laughs> and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So the evil spirit, I mean, he talks to him. He responds and he's like, look, I know Jesus and I recognize Paul. And those two Greek words for know and recognize, the, the Greek word for know is this word, uh, ginosko, I probably said that wrong, but you know, there you go. Uh, ginosko is this kind of intimate, experiential knowing. And the other word for recognize is epistemi, which means to be aware of or to have knowledge of or understanding of. So it's like the difference between having like friends and Facebook friends, which I get that line is unfortunately all too blurry sometimes uh, but like my friends like I know my friends right like I know their mannerisms and I know their voice and I know how they res respond in certain situations whereas like my Facebook friends like I, I know their profile picture 
I got a general idea of what they look like and I know, you know, just some, some information about them. I know maybe who their family is or what kind of things they might like, but I don't know them, right? And so the, the, these demons are like, look, I, I've experienced Jesus like, I, I've come in contact with him. I've at least seen Paul's profile picture. But, bro, do you even have Facebook? <laughs> like, like, you see, like, that, that, that's basically what's happening here. And so, like, I, I've never heard of you. He doesn't know them. He, he recognizes that these men are, are just... They're no threat to them whatsoever. And so then they, they, this man jumps on all seven of them, beats them to a pole, bloodies them, sends them away naked and ashamed, right? So I want to stop right there and I'm going to talk about this because as we move into this reset series, remember, we're, we're, we're talking about experiencing God throughout this series, we want to reset in our life, a rekindling. And this passage has so many implications for us and for what we are hoping and praying that God will do in us throughout this series. There is an old country preacher, and I wish I knew who it was. I've, I've talked to Jeff. I was like, Jeff, who is it that said this? He's like, I don't know, some old country preacher, you know? So I don't know who I give the credit to, all right? But don't give credit to me, all right? But there's an old country preacher who says this. You are nothing in the kingdom of heaven until hell knows your name. You are nothing in the kingdom of heaven until hell knows your name. Listen, guys, our prayer, our goal, what we are praying desperately that God would do through you guys and through Jeff and I as well throughout this reset series is that as we experience God in new and beautiful ways, as our passion for Jesus grows, as our desire to join him in his work around us increases, as it is reset and rekindled, that you would become such a threat to the kingdom of darkness that when you wake up in the morning, the gates of hell would shudder and say, oh no, here they come. We want you to become a threat. Yes. A threat that hell itself will recognize. That is what we are praying would happen. Because guys, I need you to understand something. If, if we miss this, if we miss this, then this whole series will just be a bunch of good stuff for us to learn. And it's not gonna actually do anything. You've got to understand this point right here. And that there is a fight going on around us every single moment every single day every single moment and I want to be clear about this fight all right this fight is not between Republicans and Democrats you hear me this fight is not between the church and woke culture this fight is not between pro-choicers and pro-lifers this fight is not between you and the people who leave their shopping cart in the middle of the parking lot. That's right, it's not the fight. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our enemy is not people. 
Like we've got to remember this. I mean, we look at the culture, we look at some of the things that we see people believing and talking about, and we just like, we get so confused and so upset about it. Like, what are they thinking? Well, they're not our enemy. Like our enemy is not people. It's not even the people who cut us off in traffic. And let me tell you something, I, right? Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like I went, uh, Kayla and I went to Lexington yesterday. I literally had to apologize to her because I was getting in such a bad mood by other people's driving. You know what I mean? Like I had to apologize to her. It's like, babe, I'm sorry. Like I, I, you're right. Like I'm getting way too frustrated right now. But they're not our enemy. But we have an enemy. The kingdom of darkness is our enemy. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are from God. Listen, the whole world lies in the power or in the sway of the evil one. People are deceived. There's an enemy who's, the whole world is under the enemy's power, under the sway of the evil one. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus speaking, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Guys, there's a really, very real fight going on every single day around us with an unseen enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Now listen, let me be clear about that. He doesn't want to disrupt your life. Army has no, does not care at all about disrupting your life. He wants to destroy your life. Do you hear me? He does not dislike you. Satan doesn't dislike you. He hates you. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life, your kid's life, your family's life, your friend's life, your church's life. He wants to steal and kill, destroy your life. There's a fight going on. If we're not careful, we're gonna think the Christian life is, okay, I'm gonna come in here on Sunday morning, sit down, do my church thing, maybe listen to some Caleb in the car on the way home, slap a bumper sticker on the back of my car, and I'm good to go. Guys, this, this life is a fight. Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. So the Christian fight is, the Christian life is a fight. And so this is exactly what we wanna see happen. This is exactly what we want God to stir up within you guys as we go throughout this series, as we experience him. We want you to get into the fight. And as you get into the fight, we want the enemy to see you as the threat that you are. Okay, do you hear that? So now the question that we have to ask is, so then what does it take to be a threat? Right, because I mean, like the sons of Sceva, they clearly weren't a threat. I mean, this is like, like if me and Jeff were to get in a fight, who's gonna win? I mean, look at me, all right, if you don't know Jeff, all right, like, let me just give you, so like, this is basically like almost to my chest, like this is like Jeff's waist, all right, if that tells you how much taller he is than me. He's like a foot taller than me, probably like a foot wider than me. And like, he's just, he's a beast of a man, right? And you see the little skinny old scrawny jean wearing me walking up to him, like, am I gonna be a threat to him? No, right? And like, this, this, this is the sons of Sceva walking up to this evil spirit. They're like, who's, who's this? <laughs> who's this little dude coming up here, right? Like he's like, but, but why aren't they a threat? 
They used Jesus' name, didn't they? It's the same formula Paul had, right? It's the same stuff. Why were they not a threat? And the answer is simple. Go back again to Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Down at the bottom of the verse, look at how they address the man with the evil spirit. They say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Do you see that? They challenge the evil spirit with the Jesus that Paul knows, not the Jesus that they know, because they don't know Jesus. And because they don't know Jesus, they are not a threat. See that? If you want to be a threat, here's how you become a threat. The way you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness is simply by having a real, experiential, growing, faithful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it takes. When you are in relationship with Jesus, when you believed in him, surrendered your life to him, and are faithfully pursuing him as a child of God, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Look at James, I'm not gonna sit here and say that you just have to believe in Jesus, because that'd be wrong. Believing in Jesus is not enough. Look at James chapter two, verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Which goes right with what we just talked about. They're, Jesus I know. Like, like you being like, well I believe in God. So does hell. It's not enough to just believe. No, you've got to surrender. You've got to submit. You've got to experience. You've got to have desire and passion to grow in this relationship with Jesus. So the way you become a threat is not just believing in Jesus, but submitting to Jesus, faithfully walking with him and experiencing him daily. Like the sons of Sceva, they knew of Jesus, but they never knew Jesus. They think that because Paul is doing all these great miracles that they just had to use the same name that Paul did. But remember back in verse 11, who was it doing the miracles through Paul? It's God. It says God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. They missed the relationship. They completely missed the part that mattered, the part that actually made them a threat. It's the relationship, it's the experiential walking with, the beautiful, faithful, experiential relationship that Paul had. Therefore, they were not a threat because they were never in the fight to begin with. Do you see that? So here's where we need to have a talk because here's where the series is coming in. This is why we're doing this, okay? Some of us are not a threat to the kingdom of darkness because you've never actually experienced Jesus. Maybe you believe in Jesus. You're, you're like, yeah, I'm for the Christian thing. <laughs> you might wear the title of Christian, but you've never truly surrendered Jesus. You're not daily pursuing relationship with him and his word. You're not daily pursuing him in prayer. You're not daily cutting off the supply chain of your sin. But rather, you're just riding on the coattails of people who have. I mean, guys, listen, some of y'all, you're in here and you're trying to fight against the enemy using the Jesus that the pastor proclaims. Amen. Or the Jesus that your parents proclaim. Or the Jesus that your kids proclaim. Or the Jesus that your spouse proclaims. But he's not the Jesus that you know. And can I tell you something? If that's you, it's not gonna work. 
Like Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 23, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen, it's one thing if hell doesn't know your name, it's a whole nother conversation if Jesus doesn't know your name. When you have truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you are actively growing in relationship with him, then not only do you just get to enjoy this great, awesome relationship with the creator God of the universe. I mean, just think about that. How amazing that is. You get to have relationship with that God. And not only do you get to enjoy that, not only do you get to grow in that and experience that, but you actually become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And this is one of the reasons, guys, why we're going through this series, just because we want you to stop trying to get through on the faith of other people and start experiencing Jesus on your own. To start walking with Jesus on your own and to start being the threat that he wants you to be that he's called you to be, that he, is, that he has made his home within you to be. We want that to happen. We desperately want, want that to happen. But you've got to get in the fight. You've got to surrender your life to Jesus, this great God who came to bear your sin as his own, to take a cross for your sin and to rise from the dead so that you could be given new life. We want you to surrender your life to this great Jesus. Know this great God and get in the fight. So with this series, that, I mean, that, that right there, really, that's where we're starting. That's what we want to happen most. We really do. We want you guys to get into that relationship. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or maybe you have, but you're not pursuing that relationship, you're not experiencing Jesus, we, we just want you to experience the goodness of God. We want you to grow in a relationship with him. We want you to absolutely grow in your love for him. We want that to be reset and rekindled in your life. Um, but, but, but here's the thing. Not only do we want that to happen, but maybe that is you. Maybe you have surrendered your life to Christ. You know, you have experienced God in great and beautiful ways. You are daily still experiencing God and you, you do intimately know this great Jesus and therefore are a threat to the powers of darkness, right? For me of us, that is the case. However, what's unfortunate is that while this may be the case for many of us, and while we are threats to the kingdom of darkness, many of us don't believe we're threats to the kingdom of darkness. Like, like you are a threat, but you don't believe you're a threat, so you're not walking like a threat, right? Like, last night I got to watch some UK football. Praise Jesus, all right? <laughs> football season is back, y'all, and I love it. Now, I love football, and I love getting to watch it. And um, you know, I went to watch the game at my parents' house, and I was talking to my dad, and I was like, you know, one of the weird things about football is, is like, like when you watch a football game, there's like 6,000 people on the team, right? Like there's just, there's the, the, the sideline's full of people, right? And about half of them actually get into the game, right? 
so like, here's the thing. If they're wearing the jersey, they're automatically a threat to the other team, right? Because they're on, they're on the team. They're on the right team. But they don't win the game unless they get in the game. Like the, the people who win the game are the ones who actually get in the game, right? The people who stay on the sidelines, like they do their part in practice and stuff, which is great, but then they got to get in the game. You, you know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. A lot of us are wearing the jersey, but you're not getting in the game. You're in the huddle, you're in the practice, you're doing all that good stuff, but you're not in the game. And the fight does not be won if you don't get in the game. You're not a threat standing on the sidelines like you are, but you're not. Right? And a lot of us are still standing on the sidelines because we just don't believe we're a threat. And the reason why we don't think we're a threat, and gosh, I just, I hate this, and it's so upsetting to me, and I mean this, because it's like, we look at all that is happening in this world, we look at the things that are going on, and we think that the enemy is the one that's actually the greater threat to us than we are to him. Like, did you hear that? We think the enemy is the greater threat than we are to him. Like we see what happens to the sons of Sceva in verse 16. They jump on the man, they beat them, they send them away naked, ashamed, just absolutely bloodied. And we look at all that's happening in the world around us and we think that that's what the enemy's still doing to us. I mean, and, and like I get it. Can I, can I be honest? I get it. There are things happening around us every single day. I mean, things even within my own life, my own struggle with sin or my own struggles with doubt or depression or insecurity that I have to deal with. And I like, believe me, there's times I'm like, God, why is the enemy winning in my life? But God, I mean, Tyre, you're going there, okay? I mean, and, and we look at our culture, guys, I can't tell you how many deconstruction stories I've heard in the past few years. I mean, I cannot begin to count then the amount of people who have grievances, not necessarily with, with Jesus, but with the, with the church of Christ. And it leads them to these asking hard questions that people don't seem to have the answer to. And, and so then they just, they deconstruct and at the end they're either strengthened in their faith, praise God, or they're either not believing at all or they're left with a sham of a faith of their own making that's a mockery of the real faith. You know, they're, they're left with a faith that says, I can, I can live in my sin and still, like, I, can, I can live in my sin and still be faithful to Jesus. Or I, I, I believe in a Bible that affirms everything that I want it to believe, not necessarily what it says to believe. Like, we, it's just a sham of a faith, right? And I see that happening every day. How many, how many prominent pastors and the ministry are falling from the ministry. I mean, guys, I don't know about, you saw with Matt Chandler last week and his announcement of him in an inappropriate relation, text relationship with a woman that's not his wife. And it just, it wrecked me because he's one of the guys I listened to for years. It's like, listen, I get it if you feel like the Emmy's got the upper hand. I get it. Because at times I feel like that too. But listen, that's not what the Bible says. That's not the case. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verses nine through 11. And the great dragon was thrown down, 
that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down, notice he was thrown down to the earth and his, angels, and his angels were thrown down with him and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Do you see that? I mean, and do you see all the past tense in that? We read Revelation as if all of it's just something that's gonna happen. Look, that's not a future promise, that's a present day reality. Satan's already defeated. The moment Jesus broke out of the tomb, Satan lost. Do you hear me? He lost. And do you see why we're such a threat to the enemy? Because he has two, he has one weapon, and that's his mouth. He's the deceiver and the accuser. That's his only weapon. And how do we overcome? With our mouth, the word of our testimony of who Jesus is. Do you see why we're a threat? He is defeated. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus says this to Peter after he makes the confession of him as the Christ. He says, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, you guys, I I get it. We look at the culture. We look at the way the world is. We look at the things that, that that, that, that kids and teenagers are believing in this just subjective reality and all the, and it looks like the enemy's winning, but he's not. He's already lost. He's already lost. And if we would just understand that, how great of a threat will we become? Right? I mean, guys, uh, that song we just sang, the church of Christ was born, the spirit lit the flame. This gospel truth of old shall not yield. It shall not faint. It's not going to because we've won. You got to understand when you get in the game, you don't even have to look at the scoreboard. The scoreboard's turned off because we've already won. Like you get that? As we go through this series, as you begin to experience God, you begin to see how he's at work around you, you begin to, th- that, that reset, that rekindling, you're gonna understand that you are the threat you are. I mean, you start joining God in that work. I mean, guys, the kingdom of darkness is just absolutely shaking when you get out of bed in the morning. Amen. I don't know if you want that to happen for you, but I want that to happen for me. Man, I want to get out of my bed and I want hell to be like, oh crud, here he comes. I want that to happen. But it's not going to happen if one of two things don't happen first. If you don't submit your life to Jesus and get in the fight in the first place. Or if you just keep thinking the enemy's won when he's not. Let's reset, church. This is a reset. This is a new day. We're getting in the game. We're gonna experience God. We're gonna see his beauty. We're gonna see his work. We're going to fall more deeply in love with him. And as we do that, we're gonna start joining him in his work. And we're gonna see 
darkness say, oh no, here they come. We're gonna move into a time of invitation. I'm gonna ask the band to come up and they're gonna play underneath us. Um, But here's what I wanna do. I do wanna give an invitation. I, I have two, all right? So first and foremost, if you are in this room, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And I don't know why you haven't yet. I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe you just think that maybe this whole Christian life is just boring. I thought that for a long time. Can I be real with y'all? I thought that for a long time, but guys, it ain't boring. It's a fight with the God who created all things. You need to understand if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it says that there is a God. The Bible says there is a God who created all things, made it beautiful and perfect. He created humanity in his image to image him forth throughout this world. And we, as his image bearers, sin against him. We saw his law, we chose our own way, we sinned against him. And that sin is passed on to every single one of us. We're all sinners. And scripture says there's a very real penalty for that, and it's called hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus to live the perfect and sinless life that you and I could not live, died the death you and I deserved, bore your sin as his own, though he never sinned, and he died so that you could be forgiven, and his grace and mercy would wash over you. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And he reigns in victory right now. He is calling you to be a part of his family, to become a child of the living God, to be saved from your sin, to be saved from death, to be saved from hell, and be saved into abundant kingdom of darkness slaying life for eternity. Would you believe and surrender to Jesus? And the second invitation is for those of you in here, you have surrendered your life to Christ. You believed in him. Maybe you are experiencing him. You are pursuing him, but there's just a wrestling within your soul. Again, I get it. I get it. There's a lot of things in this world. There's a lot of temptations that we face on a daily basis. There's a lot of reasons why I feel like maybe I've lost my invitation for you is to come to the throne of Jesus and let him strengthen you with the truth that you've not lost. You're still in this fight. The invitation is for you to get back in the fight. Don't just wear the jersey, guys. Let's get in the game. Maybe you've been sitting on the sideline too long because you're just, there's just so much going around you. I don't know if it's in your family. I don't know if it's just what's all in the world, what's in your own heart and soul, but you're just sitting on the sideline. My invitation to you guys is bring that to Jesus so you can get in the game. Let's start today. Let's be a threat. And if you need to come up and you need to pray with somebody, we're gonna have people down here at the altar who are gonna love to pray with you as we sing this next song. But if you need to respond, you need to surrender your life to Jesus or you need to just say, I've been out of the game too long. I'm ready to get back in. I'm ready to get in the fight. Come and talk, come and pray with one of our leaders down here. I hope you guys are excited for the series. It's a new day in our church, y'all. We're resetting, we're getting in the fight.
Church, let's stand and let's continue our worship this morning.